0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Oreda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today, as always, by my colleague and co host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, the NWSL is back. We've got a weekend preview for you all here and. The CONCACAF W Championship will start, and we're going to preview the United States Women's National Team's first match against Haiti. We're going to be taking a little bit of a shift as CONCACAF W begins. We're going to be leaning heavily on that content, so make sure you tune in and you stay tuned to all of the stuff that we're going to be bringing to you around the CONCACAF W Championship. Uh, NWSL will still be on our radar, uh, but we're going to be coming heavy with all of the great stuff surrounding That World Cup qualifying tournament. Another special announcement before we get into the show. This Friday, July 1st, attacking third, Lisa and I will be outside of the Bank of California Stadium from 4 to 7 p.m. local time for a CONCACAF W event ahead of Angel City versus Portland Thorns. We're going to be hosting a live show. With special guests, we're going to be giving away Attacking Third Gear and hosting some trivia. So come through, hang out with us Friday, July 1st, 4 to 7 Pacific Time at Bank of California Stadium. It's all happening, Lisa. I'm very excited. What an exciting show for us today. Got I know. I know.
0: I'm so excited, and we get to be in LA for the game on Friday. Um, and we've got attacking third merch that we're giving away, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, but the NWSL is back. The Concacaf W Championship is starting on Monday. It's like everything is happening at once, and we're going to cover it all. And I'm very excited for about that. But the next couple of weeks are going to be hectic, filled with so much football, and I'm so excited for it. So excited.
1: I'm so I'm really, really hyped for for all this. I just you know, we, I know there was a brief break there in the international window for the league, but now the games are returning and this they're returning as W is going to be kicking off. So it's going to like we're going to have like our heads on a swivel. Quite frankly, we're going to be oh, like yeah. locked in and tuned in uh, to everything as much as we can. Of course, we're going to do the uh, first half of this episode, uh, filling our audiences in on NWSL action has returned within that. Of course, there's also the trade window that's open. It's been open since since uh, early in June, but some exciting things to talk about here Um I know that there has been a number of teams uh, signing uh, national team replacement players across the league uh, with over 40 NWL players out on international duty for the next few weeks for uh, various competitions, not just CONCACAF W Championship, but it could be the African uh, Cup. It could be uh, the Euros that are taking place. All the different types of international events that are taking place means that there's going to be a, a big chunk of players who are missing across NWSL roster, so we're starting to see a lot of different announcements from players and um, signing national team replacement players. But the biggest headline that we were so excited to come on here and very hyped to talk about uh, ahead of the uh, us making our picks on the previews is Sydney Larue is making headlines because Orlando Pride and Angel City have agreed to terms on a trade that is going to send Angel City the rights to Sydney LaRue and in exchange uh, Orlando pride is going to receive well, quite frankly, a ton of (laughs) allocation money. They announced uh, both teams announced uh, the trade early uh, on Wednesday, and it's going to be about a total of $95,000 in allocation money. It's $75,000 in allocation money, plus the potential for 20,000 more across 2022 and 2023 if LaRue meets certain performance-based criteria. But big pickup for this team, quite frankly, in the in the absence of Kristen Press sustaining a season-ending NWSL injury. And uh, we've got Tobin Heath officially training with Oil Rain. So we're talking like two heavy hitters here starting to get integrated with their teams now, Lisa.
0: Huge. huge! These are two instrumental players in the league, in their game, in offenses, right? Like scoring goals, creating opportunities. Um, And for Tobin Heath, returning to the NWSL, this is huge. She's been out of the game for a little bit after she ended her contract with Arsenal and now coming to the States. Everyone knew that she was going to pop up somewhere. And the fact that she has popped up at OL Reign and under Laura Harvey is phenomenal. And it, it comes at a time during this international break where the Euros are happening, CONCACAF W Champions, um, African Cup of Nations is all happening. So there are so many absent players in the NWSL because they are with their respective national teams. So it creates a great opportunity for a player like Tobin Heath, right? When you look at O.L. Reign, just for the U.S. side, they've got Rose Lavelle, Megan Rapino, Sofia Huerta, um, just so many different players that are absent from that squad. And then... Having Sidney LaRue traveling to Angel City, uh being traded, this is huge, right? Like, this is such a big trade for Angel City. I cannot emphasize that enough. When Orlando traveled to Angel City to play against LA, uh, Sidney LaRue was the only one that scored a goal in that one nil win she for winner. Orlando. Three and minutes in. <laughs> and that was Orlando's only, like, right? Like they haven't won that many games. They have two wins in this regular season and Sydney LaRue is the reason for one of them. So this is a huge trade. Sydney LaRue went to UCLA. She spent her collegiate days um, at ucla in los angeles so for her to return to that area is fantastic and this comes after amy turner um, and orlando pride split ways but um sandra i want to ask you about this because after amanda cromwell former head coach with orlando pride was put on suspension along with first assistant sam green um there was a freeze put on orlando and their trades players coming in and out and now with the sydney Larue trade uh has has that freeze been lifted i guess like what more can you tell us on that
1: yeah, so, you know, shout out to all the great reporting that, that's happening around this. You know, it, it just feels like we did an episode about this just yesterday, quite frankly, with the news of, of Cromwell and Green being placed on administrative leave. But within that, very credible reporting out of the Athletic via Meg Linehan, you know, confirming that there's a roster freeze on any movement out of Orlando due to the ongoing investigation. And quite frankly, with that recent news coming about Amy Turner that Orlando Pride went ahead and just sort of Bought out her contract. She's making her departure back uh, overseas. With that, uh, the Equalizer also confirmed that the, the the freeze essentially was was lifted. So, uh, not not public, I guess you know direct public facing information from the league itself, but uh, credible reporting confirming both of the start and the ending of that freeze. And I think with we saw that happen with Amy Turner. Maybe it it sort of sent off a little bit of an alarm, not in a bad way, but saying like, Hey, okay, well, if this is happening with Orlando pride and this player, is there going to be more movement to be expected out of Orlando? And uh, quite frankly, this is probably the biggest move uh, Mm -hmm. that I think folks could have anticipated even coming out of this trade window. I mean, we're talking about, Yes, how much this is a big win for her Angel City. They're talking. You're, we're talking about getting an experienced, capable, good, sh- and striker in the league coming to Los Angeles and a bit of a homecoming. Uh, you know, Larue played her uh, in LA collegially with UCLA, was a leading scorer over her time during th- uh, three seasons with um, UCLA, and getting to Angel City and she's going to immediately impact things on the pitch and go ahead and slot in i think fairly seamlessly for yeah, I agree yes fairly seamlessly for for Freya Kumin and, and, and her and and their system um but i do wonder on the Orlando Pride side of things you, what's what's going to be the answer there for this team offensively you know this was we talked about this team and how um, they sort of had this narrative around them is that they were going to be going through a rebuild, what that's going to look like. And it's not not exactly near the halfway point of the season for NWSL, of the 22-game season. There's some teams with with 8 to, to 10 games that have been played so far this year. But even just with that, it's it just sort of feels like, Are you hitting the reset button at this point? And how are you hitting a reset button in the middle of something that's supposed to be a rebuild year? So um, I would say, yeah, huge win for Angel City. Some concerns, I think, for Orlando. And if you're someone who's a a fan of that franchise and you're just sort of questioning Uh some of the moves that are taking place uh, in terms of the personnel there. So, um, I'm <laughs> selfishly, I'm thrilled that this move happened before we're actually on our way to, to LA. You know, this is something that I think, um, you know, the club is very, very excited about and their supporters are going to be very excited about. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just think it it's going to fit an immediate need for them. This is, this is a LaRue's a striker who's who embodies like that sort of just natural and, It's it's an unnatural skill to have, but this sort of natural like ball poaching ability. She's just like this striker who's who can just put in the shift on both sides of the ball, whether you need them to help generate, produce or create an attack or you need them to cover some more ground defensively like she does it all. And I think we we saw that a lot, I think, with Kristen Press. And Angel City, she was being tasked with a lot of responsibility to cover a lot of ground for -hmm. for Angel City early in these weeks here with them. And I just think getting a player like LaRue is going to help them continue to flesh out and build what they were doing. So I think great pickup for Angel City and for Orlando, you're maybe scratching your head a little bit about this. I mean because LaRue is a player that signed a multi-year deal with them um, fairly recently. So I think more question marks if if you're on the Orlando side of things, but a lot of questions answered if you're on the Angel City side of things. Uh, You know what, Lisa, if you don't mind, can I react a little bit to Tobin Heath going to O.L. Rain? Because this happened when I was gone. This happened when I was gone. Tell me, what's up with Tobin (laughs) Heath going to O.L. Rain? What are your thoughts on it, Sandra? First of all, it's awesome, number one. (laughs) I hate to just, I'm not trying to minimize it like that by any means. But, you know, I, I I left for a little bit. I took a little vacation. I I had good for you. Well deserved absence. A brief absence from attacking third for a little bit, but naturally, when that happens, all these other things happen. And one of the main things that happens was that Tobin Heath got traded to to Oil rain via uh, her rights with the with Racing Louisville. And now that she's like a fit, like now that like I've seen it, like seen Tobin Heath in OL Reign gear, training with the team, it actually kind of feels real now. At first, I was like, that's that's insane. Like, how, how did that happen? How did that come to fruition? Because of all of, like, just her longevity in the league itself and just sort of her journey within the league and where she's coming from. I mean, this is a player who has familiarity with the Reign franchise, but as a rival, like, having played so long, with Portland thorns so i'm very excited for this move and i want to thank you for allowing me the <laughs> the chance to to finally finally get to to react to this it it (laughs) feels like a little bit of a delayed reaction but sandra that's what this
0: show is for you're allowed to react to it you were on vacation which is so well deserved and now we are getting images of heath at training with a rain we've heard her speak about
1: going with laura harvey yeah it's it's real it's happening there's there's some there's something about there's something about laura harvey getting these types of players these these very experienced club of players and then getting them together <laughs> and playing in her system where they just sort of produce these results and just sort of look like they have not missed a beat. And I am so excited to see Tobin Heath's return uh, to NWSL because, you know, in, a, in her absence, we've sort of seen her, we've seen her play overseas and in Europe, but we haven't been able to to maybe see that on a consistent basis because she's had to deal with some you know, navigate her way through some, some injuries. So I I think being back in the States, being back with a coach that she's familiar with, I think is going to do wonders for her game. And I cannot wait to see this second half of all rain. I'm, I'm very, very excited for what the potential here uh, that we could see. And it's, it starts very soon. It's going to start very, very soon. We've got six matches that are coming up this weekend, all 12 clubs in action. For NWSL this week, going to be missing some heavy hitters, but there's still going to be some bright and big names in the spotlight. We're talking about LaRue. We're talking about Heath. All these games you can watch across Paramount Plus. Orlando Pride and Racing Louisville will be on CBS Sports Network. But Friday has a triple header of games. Let's start in order, So We've got Houston Dash versus Kansas City Current Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I want to choose draws for all of these, Lisa. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. I want to choose a draw for every single one, but we got to make some picks. Every you- single one? Is a draw? We- no, no. we are getting- you picking in this one? Who are you picking? You they're coming like draw. off of a break. They're coming off of a break. Exactly. There's something joining this that's going to happen naturally. They're going to be, teams are going to be missing key players rules on these picks and predictions you get one draw over the weekend
0: maybe two you can't just go draws across the board right. you gotta make it exciting for the people houston dash kansas city they're kicking off the nwsl yeah. return Houston, before the break, they're coming off a giant win over North Carolina, 4-3. That was a huge win. It was in Cary, North Carolina as well. And Kansas City's coming off a 2-2 draw with Chicago. So a lot of goals that Houston and Kansas City scored before the break, However, looking at players that'll be missing, right? Like that's a huge factor now as we come into this July. Um, I'm going to go with Kansas City in this one because with what the current has and and the rookies and what they've been able to do, um, Elise Bennett and Luera and Weinbrenner, they're just really clicking and they're on a great page. Um, CeCe Kaiser and Kristen Hamilton were developing a lot of chemistry in the front line for Kansas City before this international break. And I imagine they're going to pick that right back up. Up if it hasn't been getting stronger throughout this break. Um, I go with Kansas City in this one. What about you, current. Houston or the current?
1: Oh, uh, I like that you say Houston or the current. You're not even giving me no, other not. Other it's not draw. Odd. You get one draw, but like. Well, oh, I'm man. not going to use it for this yeah. one, but I am excited about this game. I mean, we're talking about some of the trades that happened, but one of the ones that we didn't get a chance to highlight was the Ebony Salmon trade to Houston Dash. That's yeah. another move that I really, really love for this Houston Dash. I think it's coming at a very important time as they're missing quite frankly, every single one of their uh, dynamic attackers to either the Euros or CONCACAF W Championship. We're talking no Sanchez, no Daly, no Prince. Who's going to slot in here? And I think they found a good answer. And that being someone, I'm excited to see this player get more extended minutes in the NWSL. Uh, we saw those diminish, quite frankly, in her mm-hmm. time uh, with racing Louisville. Uh, but that's a lot of pressure to put on a first game on one specific player I just am not too sure if there's going to be enough there but she's also really fired up right oh yet. my gosh she's Extra motivated, and I love that for her. And I'm excited to see the revenge tour for sure. I just am looking at this Kansas City current side and how they're assembled at the moment and who they have available Mm -hmm. at their disposal. And I'm also looking at another forward for them to sort of have another big impact during this sort of stretch of international tournaments. And that's Elise Bennett. We have seen what she's been able to do for this Kansas city current side. And I think once you sort of give her even more freedom uh, to go out there and just sort of play her game, really, really good things happen. And I'm hopeful that we'll get to see that in this game for Kansas city. So I'm going to be going with Kansas city as well. Let's go with the next one here. Lisa, we've got all rain versus North Carolina courage. This one's kicking off. Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern. We've got uh, some NWCL action after dark. The Rain versus the Courage. We've got uh, the Courage, who have been struggling to find their footing a little bit here during uh, the regular season. A team that's also going to be missing some pretty heavy hitters in their rotation, uh, including their rookie, Diana Ordonez. And yeah. we've got OL Rain. That has made some acquisitions, and I think the right time. So I'm gonna take it the first the first pick on this one. I'm going all rain in this one, Lisa. Who are you got in this one?
0: I like that pick, right? Like, the, this is so hard for me because it, you have to balance the players that teams have lost, the players that they have gained. Um, and both of these sides, O.L. and North Carolina, they've lost big, big heavy hitters for each of their squads. Yeah. Um, O.L. Reign, they're coming off before the international break, a 1-0 win over Angel City. And then North Carolina, as we just mentioned, coming off that 4-3 loss to Houston that they played at home. Uh, but still, the ability to score three goals in, in that match is... Uh, very impressive. And the thing with OL Rain is they've been plagued with not finding the back of the net enough, right? They get their shots off, they create their chances, but um, goalkeepers that they go up against and chances that they take just aren't there to find the back of the net. And when we look at North Carolina, yes, Casey Murphy, goalkeeper, is gone with the U.S. national team. However, they've got a backup that played throughout the entirety of the Challenge Cup and won the challenge cup, right? Like, so yeah, with this point. one, I'm going North Carolina courage in this win over owal rain.
1: I love that. I love that. I can't wait to see who was correct or see if we were both wrong. Right. Cause who knows? I said, everyone's going to get a draw, <laughs> but, We'll see. That's what I prefaced it with, but I'm still making picks. Angel City versus Portland Thorns FC. This one's kicking off Friday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. We've already let the good people know we're going to be at this game. We're going to be doing a pregame live show. We're going to be active uh, at this event and make sure that we keep an eye on the game in front of us as well. Lisa, when we're looking at Angel City versus Portland Thorns, do you have a winner and Why? I'm going to be really honest here. I think Angel City's going to win because we're going
0: to be there and I just want a <laughs> home win. I'm going to be honest in this one. Now, Energy. When, look, when I look at this a little bit more objectively, <laughs>
1: I love that.
0: Um, Angel City, right? They're coming off of that one nothing loss to OL Reign. Um, and Portland's coming off of a very, very dominant 6-0 win over at Orlando. That was the game that Becky Sauerbrunn got her first goal as a thorn. It was 2-0 at halftime, and then the thorns just took off. But we've got to look at players missing. Yep. And with Angel City getting Sydney LaRue, I'm hoping that she gets some minutes on Friday night as well. I'm going to go. I'm sticking with Angel City in this one. They're at home. Um I mean, we'll be there.
1: So, like, yeah. Listen, I'm not picking against LA when I'm going to LA specifically for this game. I'm going with Angel City in this one. I hope we get a riveting, competitive, exciting match. I'm with you though. I'm looking at the absences for these teams, whether it's you know, an Angel City that is going to be without Kristen Press for the remainder of the season or a Portland Thornside that is mm-hmm. is going to be missing Christine Sinclair. Sophia Smith, these are players who have been largely responsible for their offensive production in front of goal. So we'll see what happens. And I love the environment that we've been seeing out of these Bank of California events for Angel City. I think the support there have sort of been adding that extra layer To the matches, something that we had typically only seen years ago coming out of uh, a facility like Providence Park for Portland Thorns. That's shifted, obviously. And I love that we've got another facility with another support group that can sort of Mm -hmm. change the uh, the momentum of a game. I think when there are those lulls, right, there are often lulls in a game sometimes. And when we've got games like this that are going to be missing a lot of different types of key players, Sometimes you're going to need to rely on those momentum swings. So I'm definitely going with Angel City in this one. We've got one game on Saturday, Lisa, and it's New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC versus Chicago Red Stars. This one's kicking off on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, catching on Paramount+. Plus. Lisa, you got a winner in this one?
0: Um, honestly, yes, I have Chicago taking the okay. win in this one. Um okay. I, I do. Uh, because with Gotham, right, they're missing Chrissy Mewis. They're missing yeah. Perth. They're missing Ifioma On Amano, isn't she yeah. away as well? Yep. Yeah, just missing a lot of people and a lot of depth for Gotham. And they're coming off of a stifling 3 nothing loss to San Diego before the international break. Um, Chicago just, yeah, they're without Mallory Pugh, but I think in this match, they can... They can be a little bit stronger against this weekend Gotham team. Now, this game is being played at Red Bull Arena in New Jersey, so Gotham has the upper hand in that sense, uh, being a home match. But um, this is a game that I could have seen a draw, so I'm I'm not going to be I'm not surprised that you asked me if it was going to be a draw. However, no, um, (laughs) I I see Chicago taking the win in this one. Listen, I love it. It's music to my ears. (laughs)
1: I I don't either. And And it's music to my ears whenever you go with the home side here for me. I love it. But I'm absolutely saving my draw for this game. I just think when we're looking at just even the attacking pieces for both of these teams... Oh, man, prepare yourself. This one might be a slugfest. In the middle of the park specifically, uh, that's where I'm going to be looking for the action to be taking place between these two teams. Who's going to take control of that midfield and try to work that to their advantage? No no Pew for Chicago Red Stars. No Bianca St. George's for Mm -hmm. the Chicago Red Stars as well. Someone who has sort of shown that they are, you know, really integral to Chicago's, um, you know, building the attack and uh, yeah, like you said, no, no Anumanu, no Purse, uh, no Christy Uh This is—is is this going to be the Paige Monahan show? I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, for Gotham and in Chicago. I just don't know if there's enough, quite frankly, for either side. Um, will this be a zero-zero draw? You know, I, I don't know. Well, I hope not, but I do Are think you it's putting a be- score line on it. I hope not, but I hope I hope I hope I'm correct and that it's gonna be a draw because I was saving my draw specifically <laughs> for this one. So we'll see. Hopefully, you're correct, Lisa. I would love to come on here and be like, yes, way to go. Good job for picking the red stars. Uh, San Diego Wave versus Washington Spirit, double header for Saturday. This one's kicking off at 5 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus. Another you, you go first that's another one. game, another game. We got to talk about who's missing. No Alex Morgan. No for San Diego Wave we're talking about a million players missing for the Washington Spirit I'm exaggerating of course but listen the like handful of players, or 9 8 it, or 9 7 to the US and then I think one to Mexico I'm going to go 8 or 9 players yeah it's about it's about eight players I, be, I believe Rotter is also away yeah. in euros there's there's a chunk of I mean you're talking about nearly an entire starting 11 who yeah. was absent for the Washington Spirit and then you're going to be missing players for San Diego, no Jacobson, no Morgan. There's Taylor and these Horner. are not these aren't any slouches for San Diego, right? These are players who are producing offensively in the attack for this team. Maybe I should have saved my draw for this one, quite frankly. But I didn't. But I didn't. Uh so I'm going to be going for San Diego in this one. I want to see I want to see the Casey Stoney game where the depth of the team comes out and gets the result. And I think this could be the game.
0: I love that you picked San Diego. Um, That would be my second choice if I were to pick two different choices in this game as to what would happen. But my first choice is going to be a draw between San Diego and Washington. Um, It's just too close between these two sides. It's the first time we're seeing them play against each other and not full strength. So um, I'm a little bit saddened by that because I would love to see full strength San Diego against full strength, healthy fit Washington spirit and, and really see these teams go at it, I still think it'll be a really good matchup. And that's why I'm giving it a draw. I, I'm thinking we'll get some goals. I'm hoping for like a 1-1 one, one draw, but I still, without all of the force that both of these sides have and, and Washington is missing so many players. Um, I know they've signed a number of like national team replacement players as yeah. a lot of these clubs have. But finding that cohesiveness and, and being able to create that rhythm and that consistency in such a quick turnaround, I just I don't see it. This game is also being played in San Diego as well. Um, that's uh, So I would give the upper hand to San Diego in that sense, but I'm going to go with the draw between Casey Stoney and Chris Ward's sides.
1: Listen. I respect it. I love I love a draw, and I love when a draw prediction becomes correct. But we'll see between those two games that we just chose draws on and how they shake out. Orlando Pride versus Racing Louisville. Last one for Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. This one on CBS Sports Network. Just going to put it where I see it, and I see Racing Louisville taking this game. A lot of movement for Louisville as well. I think when you're looking at these two teams, you can make that same argument for both of them. Mm-hmm. But they've still got – Jess McDonald and they've still got normally and they've got a Nadia Dean building on minutes. So I'm looking at Louisville to take this win. How about and you?
0: And a Savannah DeMello. Yeah. You cannot forget about a Savannah DeMello in the midfield. I agree with racing. Louisville going to take the win over Orlando. Um, it, it, the trade with Orlando losing Sydney LaRue is such an advantage to Angel City and such a detriment to Orlando um, that, this club is going through so much off the pitch on the pitch with the movement that's happening. Yeah. I give racing Louisville, this upper hand for all of the reasons you said, Jess McDonald, Nadia, yep. Nadine getting more minutes demello becoming so much more comfortable. Yep. Uh, Jalen Howell should be back with the club yep. after her stint with the U S for these pair of friendlies this past week. Um, so and I yeah. think being so many coaches have talked about when, when players go away to the national team and then come back to their clubs, uh, they've got this, this rub, this national team rub. And I want to see that from Jalen Howell in this match against Orlando. Yeah. can he just completely dominate the midfield. It'll be interesting to see Michaela Clough for Orlando going against uh, Jalen Howell uh, for racing Louisville, that rookie battle in the attacking midfield defensive midfield roles. And I'm, i I want to see that battle, but I really want to see it from Jalen Howe. I, I want to see it. another.
1: Um, I want to see another set piece from Racing Louisville. Yeah. So, Savannah Demello, like little set piece assassin there. Just uh, I love it. Real, I think, bit of a dark horse. I think for you know Rookie of the Year, and uh, we'll see if she has another banger in this game we have to talk about the united states women's national team. We made our picks and now we got a shift and we're going to do that right after a quick break. The CONCACAF W Championship is here. You can catch our full preview that we put out recently with Lori Lindsay. We also had Daniel Slayton on as a guest to talk about the final prep matches against Columbia. You can go and check those episodes out. Listen to it as a podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You can check out my content on cbssports.com if you want a reintroduction to the 23 players on the United States Women's National Team who are going to be competing for a spot in the World Cup. Go check Check it out there. We've got all kinds of stuff on how the CONCACAF W championship works. It's not just qualifying for the World Cup. There's some other things at state. And you can check out some NWSL players that I want you to keep an eye on in the CONCACAF W championship players who are not affiliated with the United States Women's National Team. So head on over to CBSSports.com and check out all of the con- uh, all of the content that we've got rolling out for you, we're going to be taking a deeper dive here for you all. As the first match, the opening group stage match for the United States Women's National Team is going to be kicking off on July fourth. That's Monday at seven p.m. Eastern. And guess what? You can catch all of the entirety of the Concacaf W Championship on. Paramount Plus. You can watch the highlights on Attacking Third YouTube. You can watch match replays on (laughs) Paramount Plus if you want. I am so excited to finally be able to sit down and talk about a preview for the first match of CONCACAF W Championship. Lisa, we're here. We made it to qualifiers.
0: We made it. World Cup qualifiers. It's here. It feels like we were just covering the Olympics, uh, which we were, <laughs> to be honest, less than a year ago. Um, but I am very excited about this. It, it's happening. It's here. We've done so much buildup to this. The U.S. have completed their friendlies against Colombia, where we got to see a taste of the 23 that are going to Monterey, Mexico, or, or frankly, are already in Monterey, Mexico, um, and S- hear head coach Flakowin andowski speak not only about the competition and what is to come in CONCACAF and what he's looking for uh, from his team, but speak specifically about individual players and and what he's expecting from them. Who we can as fans and media expect to see on the pitch, getting consistent minutes. What he's liked um, and what he hasn't liked. What he wants to see improve upon. And the two friendlies against Colombia, they were they were pretty telling about. Um, what this team is and where they are right now. And and when I say they were pretty telling about it, it means that I have some questions because they weren't <laughs> strong in what they, in certain methods of playing or certain methods of breaking down a low block. And, Uh, That's what I am very intrigued to watch unfold throughout the CONCACAF W Championship. But it all starts on Monday, July 4th. A heck of a a way to close out your Independence Day um, with this game 7 o'clock Eastern. It's happening and you can watch all of these on Paramount Plus and CBS. We're going to be doing live coverage for you here at Attacking Third. We'll be going live right after this match ends along with Lori Lindsay, to recap it and talk about it. So join us on youtube.com slash attacking third will be here to talk about it but
1: the yeah it's here US versus Haiti Monday I can't, I also can't believe it's already July <laughs> quite frankly I'm also just like my goodness we just flew through June like there's that other part of it too I'm like oh my goodness like we flew through June and quite frankly with this tournament, we're going to fly through July. Before we know. know it, we're going to blink and it's going to be over before we're already talking about it, even just its arrival and and, and being here. But I, I'm into that. I'm, I'm very excited for us to be doing um, our live U.S. Women's National Team post-game coverage on attacking third, you know, and and listen, if you celebrate July Fourth, you know, come check us out after the fireworks, like see what yeah. see what's going on, see see what we got to say uh, about this game. But it's going to be United States going up against Haiti. We've got Haiti entering this match off of their qualifier, uh, their road to this moment. We saw them play during February and during April of the W qualification process. And they absolutely dominated their group, Lisa.
0: They completely did. Haiti, uh, plowed through the qualifiers um, heading into the final game against Cuba that Haiti played. They already had 38 goals and they end up with a 44 goal differential throughout the qualifiers, zero goals against. Incredibly impressive to see from Haiti. Um, And of these 44 goals, 13 players scored these goals. But uh, another thing to look at across this Haiti national team is the players that they have and their ages and what they've already been able to do. Because yeah. I think that's something that's super important. Um, we talked so much about uh, from the U S side and the perspective is, is this is going to be a very different experience for them going to Monterey, Mexico, uh, the conditions, the training facilities, the competition, uh, the fans that's happening. And that's why it was so crucial for black Manonofsky to bring veterans like Megan rapino and Alex Morgan to and Kelly O'Hara to provide um, that veteran leadership and ability off the pitch, as, as much as on the pitch, like a player like O'Hara and Sauerbrunn. Um, so when you look at this Haiti team, the average player age, the average age of all the players is 21.25. And that's include, excuse me? It's a young squad. It's a very young squad, and that is including Rose Lord Borghea, who is 29 years old and the oldest player on the roster by four years. The next one is um, Bachaba Luis, who who also are the top two goal scorers throughout the Haiti qualifiers, uh, the Concacaf qualifiers for Haiti. So the average age is. 21 in incredibly impressive there are so many 18 year olds there are 10 players on this squad that are age 20 or younger so this is a young squad that can run that can compete that can go in transition that can sit back and defend we saw that throughout the qualifiers having zero goals against but then also spring forward and attack um yeah now now how well they do that against the united states and and fi- and Getting split between the lines. That's the only thing that I am looking at for Haiti because when they do stretch and they go in attack, they're mostly attacking with just three front runners, maybe one midfielder coming in behind. So it's just four players in the front and there's a big gap in the midfield. And if the United States can occupy that gap as Haiti gets stretched out when they look to go in the attack and and their young uh, athletic players are running all around because they have so much energy and they're in a world cup qualifier that this is a big game for them, right. As it is a big game for the U S but so those are the holes that I want the U S to find in between the lines where Haiti stretched out and, and pop into those holes. And and that's how the United States is going to be able to pick apart a team like Haiti, but um, Haiti's my
1: dark horse throughout this. I know you, you (laughs) you picked them in the previous, in the previous episode when we did the preview, I I love hearing you uh, chat a little bit about it. I'm, I'm really excited to, to, for for honestly for audiences to maybe get reintroduced you know we had across paramount plus uh those the qualification process for this moment so there are some there's some familiarity with with haiti already for for folks who have maybe watched those games that took place in february and in April but uh besides this team sort of not only just being a young group very a young group that's been together for quite some time they have play together there is familiarity there we can see it in their results we saw it in their results during the qualification process to this moment putting up some really really heavy score lines within their group but i'm also just equally impressed with their ability and their intelligence to just sort of shift through different stylistic things and formations they are not a team that is afraid i think to to change things up or make that adjustment when they need to. If they have to go from plan A to their plan B, they'll do it. And oftentimes they might even find the breakthrough and steal the momentum. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I love that this team had a couple of prep games of their own ahead of this Mm -hmm. tournament. And I love that they had them against Costa Rica. This is another CONCACAF team that they're going to, you know, Potentially see down the road, depending on how the group stage shakes out. So the fact that they had these preparation games against Costa Rica, and we're talking about a 2 1 scoreline, a 4 2 scoreline, Haiti is a team with a lot of good ability. And I wouldn't, I love that they're your dark horse because I would looking at this group a i think a lot of folks are looking at and saying like oh this is this is a tough road this is this is some some group of death energy right here and if you're saying that it's because of the strength of of haiti so i'm very excited to see what this team can do against the united states uh let's maybe talk a little bit about what we're going to be looking for on the united states women's national team side of things um you know, we, we just got a couple of games, uh, uh, final prep games against Colombia for these for this team before they head into this qualifier. And I think you said it best already, Lisa. You know, there's there was another common thread that we saw within these couple of games around this national team that mm-hmm. has kind of been following them for a little while and as i was covering the game and having to do a recap or analysis on this game that's something that i i still was left with as as we closed out that second game against colombia and it took forever because there was a lightning (laughs) delay there was a lightning delay so there was like an extended a 90 minute game went to like a uh you know 130 minutes and so it's just it was it was a lot quite frankly um but in this second match in particular, I think we were hopeful to see some improvement in terms of that scoreline. I think when we were making our predictions with Danielle, I think at one point said, hey, I'm going to say four goals. Lindsay said four goals. I was like, "Ah, oh, I'll just say five. Like, well, oh, so, no, that, that did not happen. That did not happen. Um, the breakthrough goal for this team happened uh, because Sofia Huerta forced the issue, quite frankly. Uh, service was headed away by uh, Manuela Venegas, it was an own goal in this game. and And I thought I was, I liked that. I liked that this moment came early in the game for this U.S. Women's National Team. It came just, you know, after the 20th minute. And I said, okay, great. Which is
0: much earlier than it had in the first match against Columbia, 55th minute or so at halftime, it was 0-0 between these two.
1: So I was like, these are the things we wanted to see, right? These little things improving. And you think once you get that first one, it's going to open things up, but it just didn't happen that way. So they go into halftime, one, you know, leading 1-0 if you're Columbia that's promising for you and then we oh. saw in the second half there were a couple moments where colombia snatched a little bit of that momentum away so yeah if you're looking at the numbers no like seeing the numbers compared to the offensive stats um you know with with the united states compared to to colombia we're talking <clears throat> a 2-0 scoreline, excuse me, and you're talking, you know, 18 shots to six shots, you know, two on target, you know, compared to to five for the United States. But uh, we definitely saw those moments where they tried to test the back line and a listener a little bit. And I think that that was something that they were embracing. This team was mm-hmm. going to embrace that. We heard Vlako Andonofsky say, hey, we want to go ahead and see what this team is going to present us. We might see these challenges during the CONCACAF W championship. We're satisfied with the team's ability to go out there and pick up the win against what was presented to them. But even though you're satisfied with that, you have to say maybe that is still a little bit of a concern, especially as you're looking at this first game going up against a team like Haiti that looks like they're going to be bringing it to their competition instead of trying to sit down in these low blocks that the the United States is anticipating facing. So that's my biggest thing right now with this team. If we just remove, if we just remove what happened in 2021, because this is actually a narrative that's been following this team since that Tokyo game, since that bronze medal finish in the Olympics, there was this sort of narrative like, okay, so it's taking them a little bit long to sort of unlock some things from the opposition, but let's just remove that. Even if we're just looking at this six, seven game stretch for the United States, they're heading into the qualifiers undefeated and yeah. that's, you got to feel good about that.
0: You they're, have to feel good about that.
1: And they're, winner, and they're winners in six games, you know, yeah. and each of those six games have been by some type of multi-goal scoreline, but this little thing is still sort of chasing them. Is it going to take them an hour to unlock what's in front of them.
0: Exactly. I think that's a really important question that we have to ask. And, and you mentioned the opening goal most recently in the friendly was an own goal for Colombia. That was the fifth own goal that the United States have forced in 2022, which is the most in U.S. women's national team history. So they've got something going for them there. But I want the United States to be able to come in with a game plan and be able to execute that. Um it's also important to note that between these two Colombian matches, between the first starting lineup and the second starting lineup, we saw nine changes for Vlako side. And those nine changes saw a player like Carson Pickett get a start. Huge for her. It is tremendous. Um, I could talk about Carson Pickett forever. However, she's not going to Monterey, Mexico. There was also players that got starts and got minutes that Vlako alluded to that he has nine of his 11 starters set. And the last two that he were evaluating were the goalkeeper position, most likely between Casey Murphy and Alyssa Nair, Casey Murphy getting the start in the first match and Alyssa Nair getting the start in the 90 minutes in the second match. And then the number nine striker, whether it was between Ashley Hatch or Alex Morgan, Hatch got the start in the first game. Alex Morgan got the start in the second game and he, he said that those were mainly the two roles that he was evaluating. So when you look at the starting 11 from the first match to the second match, um, personnel-wise, sure, you can look at that. But when you look at the rhythm of how these two different teams played, the unlocking of it was harder in the first game for the United States. And they didn't do it as well. They didn't utilize the width of the field, which they did much better in the second game when they had Sofia Huerta and Carson Pickett in their outside back roles, really pushing high and, and occupying that space, which pulled Lindsey Horan and and Christy Mewis, who are the defensive midfielder six, back much, much farther, uh, giving them less of an attacking presence and much more of a defensive playmaking presence because the outside backs were pushed so high. So when we look at the heading into these W championships and playing against Haiti, um, we know essentially what we're going to see. I imagine we'll see Andy Sullivan get the start in that sixth role with rotation between Lindsey Horan and Christy Mewis playing back there. And honestly, I, I liked Christy Mewis in that defensive midfield role. Um, I think... If she knows her role and she knows the understanding is not to score goals, but to find that connecting pass, to switch the point of attack, to control the tempo of the game, to dictate the play and and, um, have the forwards be checking back for the ball, which pulls that block out of shape. And if Mewis knows that, Haran knows that, they will be fine in that role. And, And we saw that against Columbia because those were the areas of the field that I was really looking at. Now, how long is it going to take for them to unlock another team? I think that's something they're working at on right now in film on the training pitch because you can learn so much from watching film and watching the forwards movements and where the opponents that are defending them track to and then how that opens up different space and having the freedom and the flexibility and the creativity as attacking players to read that movement, find the open spaces, and then occupy those spaces while also the players with the ball understanding that that's where you're going to go as well. Um, I basically just explained a creative offense.
1: And that's really what we didn't see too much of in either of these games. I'm eager to see if this team could sort of build off these two matches specifically going into this CONCACAF tournament. You know, throwing out She Believes Cup, out the window, you know, a game against New Zealand Where they forced three own goals You know, throwing out the Matches against Uzbekistan that were like Completely lopsided scored just These two matches specifically I think I'm looking for Them to build upon I liked seeing The front three at times Playing a little bit more centrally, a little bit more Narrow, trying, you know, and allowing Some space to open up For the wide players, attack. So like, which these are things that I wanted To see, so you know seeing Chrissy Mewis you know a little bit more in that six row that was something that i wanted to see in in this match and i liked what we we saw so i'm hopeful that the transition from coming out of these two matches into Concacaf W Championship will be the two games that maybe aid this team a little bit more than some of their prior matches in 2022 and the build up to this and into this moment. Um, I think even with some of these, some of these areas that we're, we're pointing out, right. This is part of, this is part of sort of the lore of this team. Quite frankly, the United States women's national team are the favorites in this match. They are entering this tournament as the reigning champions of this tournament. They won in, in 2014. They won in 2018. Uh, they are the reigning world cup champions you know lifting the cup in in 2019 and they are the number one ranked team in the world so that part of like the criticisms and things like that and the analysis around these particular areas of the attack i think comes that's the baggage that comes with sort of being the number one team in the world it's there's an expanded format this year if you're a semifinalist guess what? You're booking your ticket to the world cup. Yeah. But I think if you're the United States women's national team and you don't come out here and you don't win this tournament, that's a disappointment for, for this, you know, this program as it has been built as this sort of machine that goes out there and racks up wins and produces results and wins titles and wins cups and wins medals, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't go out there, it's not, I don't know if it's going to be enough for this team uh, to just say, okay, we qualified, and that's mm-hmm. enough. I just don't think they're built that way. They've shown us multiple times they're just built different. So we will see uh, how that turns out. Uh, and I think we're gonna get um, we're gonna get a lot more answers. I think in this first match uh, against Haiti than maybe we might have anticipated in some of these uh, prior seven matches that they played uh, to start out 2022.
0: I completely agree. And as you mentioned, if you make it to the semifinals, you're in. So um... These first round, this first round, and these first two rounds are incredibly important for every single team in this. Um, And it all starts on Monday. USA versus Haiti.
1: Lisa, give me a player who you want to have a big game against Haiti. Uh, For the United States. um, I I mean, uh,
0: Mallory Pugh. I want her to be able to take her creativity to this. Haiti side and unlock their back line, unlock their box, get good shots on goal, get crosses into the box, really connect with Emily Fox, who's in behind her on the left side. I I, I want Mallory Pugh to have fun and like play her best game ever. We've seen her slowly building up. I don't want to see a plateau at this point. I want to see her continue to climb
1: and hit that peak. Uh, what about you? I'm with you for all the same reasons, but for Sophia Smith, I really liked what we've seen out of her, both for club playing with the Portland Thorns and what we've been seeing from her recently with the United States women's national team. And I want to see that progression continue throughout this tournament. And we're going to be here for you all throughout the entire duration of the CONCACAF W championship. You can watch, Every single game across Paramount Plus, Lori Lise and I will be covering the games. We're going to be doing live recaps for all the United States Women's National Team matches. So make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube so that you never miss out on a show. For when we react to the results thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third you can follow us on TikTok Twitter and Instagram now at Attacking Third we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows we're also available as video. subscribe at youtube.com slash Attacking Third and we'll be back with so much more A reminder if you're in California come to Bacon California Stadium for our live Attacking Third event from 4 to 7 in LA for Sandra Rera and Lisa. So, roman this was the second third